Tech Insiders Podcast, episode 11. We're going to talk today about the evolution of the marketing of wine. And as always, it's a pleasure to be joined by our insiders, Jonathan from Bottle Books. Hello. <laughs> Seb from Trolley. Good morning. And Laurie from Outshinery. Hi, everyone. And so we're going to talk about how wine marketing has evolved, where it is today, where it's going. Let's, let's start off with a little historical perspective. You're a, you're a, a producer 20 years ago. Um, what do you do? What do you do to market your wine? Where, where were we 20 years ago um, in terms of wine marketing? Seb, maybe I'll, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, 20 years ago, uh, I officially was not allowed to drink wine. I was a baby, so I don't know. Uh, no, no, in, in all seriousness, um, the um, we definitely were a number of years ago, and that's what we're trying to get out of. Uh, we were in a position where uh, wine was very much marketed through distribution and wholesaler, and you would effectively have a fairly traditional uh, sales rep Right, trying to promote the wine, trying to bring it to different events, trying to get it to, to the, into different restaurants. Uh, and the concept of direct sales, look, I would, I would, uh, I would uh, put forward that direct sales started probably about 10, 15-ish years ago. Uh, the US has always been a bit in front on that trend. Australia has followed really well. Um, but we were in a very um, human relationship-driven mode, uh, I would say, uh, 20 years ago. And, and and Laurie, what were what were people doing uh, before Outshinery? What what were they doing for bottle images? And... Uh, well, so Outshinery is four going on five years old, and so twenty years ago, not unlike Seb, uh, I was also like really young. But being from France, like I was already allowed to drink, like nobody ever checked. Um, but like when it comes like to imagery, I think you know, like since like the longest time, it was more like the traditional uh, approach. I think it was much more less prominent to already have an image of every single skew, uh, just like you had like less um, channel of distribution for that image, right? Like there was like no internet, no like, um, so there was like less usage out of it, and it was obviously like traditional uh, photo for the photography. It's really fun to look back at some of the more like stylized lifestyle images of the time because it's just so you know, retro looking. It's, it is fascinating. May you look at like wine photography or even like food photography, you know, like through time, we always feel like, oh, but like it's the same like roast, but you know, the same roast in the seventies would be photographed very differently than the roast today than it would be in 20 years or something like that, or even 10 years. It's so, there's a lot of fashion going on that way. But I, I would say like not a ton of imagery when it comes um, to wineries. And as Seb mentioned, um, just like the idea of like marketing was much more distant. Like it, in a way, it didn't feel like it was on the shoulders of the producer, but it was like, um, in-betweeners uh, that would take care of it. And Jonathan, what, what was happening um, with the B2B side with, with, with trade events and, and, and importers and distributors and how did that all work 20 years ago? Um, again, I wasn't as much into wine 20 years ago <laughs> as I am today. 
Um, but I, uh, you were legally allowed to drink, right? That's I was illegal allowed to drink. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but I mean, if you look at the village events 20 years ago, um, that was when, uh, pro wine was a tiny regional, um, event. Um, London wine fair was the, was the state, the wine stage for the world. Um, when it came to the big, to the big shows. And, uh, that was when you were still building a London wine fair, double story um pavilions two-story pavilions which you still see at at Fen expo um uh but it's uh it was it was yeah the the play it was interesting is that some of the player the, the key players that are still there today were also there and the main players 20 years ago um um which i which is interesting and i'm also on the on the distribution side um you know i'm i'm speaking now from kansas uh, on this one and growing up here you know, I'm not, I'm not certain what you would even market around wine because mm. the three tier system, I think was even more, was even stronger back then. So I'm not even certain how you knew or what you were buying. Uh, Cause you can't buy at the grocery store here. You have to go to liquor stores. Um, and then the selection would have been controlled by the wholesaler for the state. So um, how much room there would be for marketing other than just buying what you have on the shelf. Um, and then Germany, like when it comes to product information, um, what always caught me, I, I thought was really interesting in Germany was you go to a, a, a German wine event and all the wineries show up with 14, 15, 16 wines, which is a huge number of wines when you compare it to other wine regions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and what somebody explained to me was that um, historically, there was this really strong relationship between a consumer and their winemaker. You didn't buy wines from different winemaker. You bought from a single winemaker, which meant that that winemaker needed to make the full range of wines that his customers or her customers would like, like to drink. And that's why, um, or one of the contributing factors why in, in Germany, so many winemakers, they don't just make one or two wines, but they make 10, 12, 14, 16 wines to cover everything from your sparkling to your whites to your rosés to your reds to your desserts and they make it all um which uh which is which is interesting and of course now people are drinking much more eclectically and and yeah. are looking for the product information looking for the imagery looking for the stories um as they have um long ago started to branch out past past their their family's winemaker yeah and Seth, how old how old is uh, uh trolley yeah, me. I, I'm 23 years old. Are you saying I look old? <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, that's just rude, right? <laughs> so two uh, look, we, and, and, and if, we, if we put been, it into context, I'll yeah. go, go for it. Two years ago, tro- Trolley's been been running. It's it's sort of been fairly new to the scene, and you've you suddenly have amassed this state of customers. Where where was the state of selling two years ago before this kind of pandemic hit? Where where were we? Um, in terms of selling wine? Look, ultimately, if we just take a quick step back, I think, um, look, 20 years ago, the internet was present, uh, but the wine industry was not, and even e-commerce was not super prevalent. Uh, And in the last, say, say five to 10 years, consumers have now started really buying online. Um, And so two years ago, when Trolley came about, uh, we effectively had uh, a few pieces of software helping 
wineries with their e-commerce, helping small businesses try and try and sell in a direct kind of a fashion. Uh, it's clear that increasingly uh, consumers are now seeking or demanding a more direct relationship with the brands, right? Uh, and so the the, um, the 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 broad spectrum marketing that we used to do 20, 10 to 20 years ago, uh, where a single brand was being pushed through television and through different things, uh, that is no longer the case, right? So we're now really starting to push uh, online and direct marketing. Um, and uh, as I was saying, look, two years ago, we had a few different software which were really old, uh, which were really sort of a fitting together, but not really helping uh, in a modern kind of a world. Uh, and Trolley effectively came to be for that exact same reason. Uh, we wanted to try and give the industry a very tailored tool in order to really do a very high amount of uh, high personalization style marketing. That's a long, long answer to a short question. Sorry. <laughs> and and Marie, where, where were where were people two years ago um, with their images? Um, were you were you had you gotten a lot of adoption? Were people really moving to to having great images? Um, yeah. what, what was your take? So, like, like for us, like what we have seen two, three years ago. So well pre-pandemic like really like a shift I want to say still like early adapters I think the shift into like having the owners on winery to be the one marketing and promoting their wine maybe happened a bit more like five years ago and it's something that the industry has not everyone has embraced it except like oh the liquid should speak for itself but that's you know, as we know, like it's it's not it's it's not enough. Uh, some, uh, but some like wineries really um, like stepped it stepped it up really and just be like, okay, like there is now marketing is a role within the winery, and sometimes it's even more than just one position because you have everything when it comes to social media and so on, a like community management, but there's also like marketing, you know, everything that's like email and it's just like. So it's just like really interesting to see that even like position roles, even in smaller wineries kind of like got built. And sometimes it's not like a full-time position, but it's still like a, a proper hat that is, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm doing marketing now. So that maybe happened properly like five years ago. And then the last, like, so three years ago, what we saw is our channery, we were just like a um, couple of like, yeah, one year, one year old or something. And just really like seeing like the early adopters embracing not just marketing, but a new way of doing marketing, something a bit more freeing, uh, something leveraging more technology. So as you know, our channel does not use standard, uh, you know, camera, like we don't use uh, product photography, we use uh, 3D technology. So we do it all, um, you know, digitally. Um, and it's just like, just kind of like this, this excitement of like, oh, like there's more possibility and option when it comes to marketing. Um, and it's been really fun to see like those early adopters, really like jump in and then just before the pandemic we're really already like ramping up like maybe i don't want to say like more conservative brands or wineries not that but maybe more like setting their way slightly they were inquiring about our services it's just like ramping up their own marketing and then the pandemic hit so i know we'll talk about that in a bit but like it was just we were on the cusp already and then and then the shift to online and the need for even more marketing relevant authentic marketing showed up and Jonathan, you're talking about Povine, um, and you know what was Povine like two years ago, and and maybe also dive into a little bit about what what product data 
was like and the situation was a few years ago? Looking two years ago, it's to some extent, you almost have to look through what has changed in the meantime to really recognize what was actually what was happening or describe it two years ago. And I think if I were to do that, I would say one analogy for what was how things worked two years ago was um, it was a shotgun approach. Um, you'd get in a room and you would hope that the largest number of people are there and the largest percentage of them was, would be buyers. And then yeah. you would just sort of hope that you would bounce into, um, into somebody who wanted to buy, uh, buy your wine. And that was basically the way that events did the math. Um, and, you know, when you're in that and you've been doing that for years, you don't really necessarily see that's what's happening, I think, until you know, you go through the pandemic and, um, and, uh, um, and you suddenly are not using your shotgun anymore, but you're having to pull out your, your scalpels and <laughs> you're having to be a lot more precise about what you do. And your techniques are also improving, um, over that time as well. Um, and, but I think, yeah, going back, I, I'm not certain that, um, there was a critical, I think there were always people who were interested in the details and the stories behind the wines, but I'm not certain that there was a critical mass of, of them to, to get, to break through sort of the shotgun approach mentality. Um, uh, but, uh, that said, you know, it's these larger events were what everybody wanted to go to. Um, and so people associated value with them, um, even mm -hmm. if it was a shotgun approach. Go ahead. I was going to say the the uh, it's, I think it's fair to say that two years in the world of wine is is nothing. Uh, it's probably worth looking a bit further back, um, but ultimately things in the wine the wine industry is is a bit more traditional than a lot of industries, uh, so they do tend to move a little bit slower. Um, and there's also the advent of the internet. I think we need to keep in mind that consumers uh, never really used to have tools to look up wineries, mm -hmm. tools to discuss amongst hundreds of thousands of people a wine that they had last week. Um, and we're, we're seeing not only in the world of wine, so the whole direct to producer kind of approach, the whole relationship that consumers want to have with the producer today. Uh, this is not just in the wine world, right? Uh, this is in the coffee world. This is in, in, in the craft brewery world. This is in a number of different uh, verticals. Um, and this is a trend which I believe is not going to slow down. Right? Ultimately, the, the, the impersonal products that were marketed broadly 20 years ago are not exactly appealing to consumers today. I think like what changed maybe like shifted. Um, it's just like you know, twenty years ago, even ten years ago, like wine had much more. I'm oversimplifying here, but like a function, you know, like literally, it's a product that you bring to the table to enjoy with friends or with a meal. Like it was not necessarily, unless we're taking fine wine and everything. Like it was not necessarily like, you know. Um, much more than that like you know like it's like you could enjoy the wine you could comment about the wine but that was that was it i think now like a quote from gladiator come to mind so bear with me but like you know are you not entertained you know like this is like this idea of like wine is also this vehicle it's like a sweet spot of a product it's not a pack of cereal but it's not like a fancy louis vuitton bag either and it's like a product that's a vehicle to much more of a story so yes it can be a story about the vineyard and the winemaker 
and some consumer will be attracted to this and we want to know more. Sometimes it's entertained because the label or the story or like there was a, a problem making the wine and it's being celebrated on the label and being embraced. It's like, oops, oopsie daisy, like, but still, it's, and try it, it's great. And then they, like then in retrospect, then like the consumer can then entertain their own party when you bring that table, that bottle to the table. Like, it's just like very interesting how to me, like wine, I'm not saying that the liquid, and I'm talking more like, um, you know, a bit more like bigger market or even like small wineries for that matter. Like it's just like, it's just much more of a vehicle for entertainment. It doesn't have to be like funny, but it has to be more like a, like a part, like it needs to be relevant and bring something to the consumer. Uh, you know, and even like when you go, you know, 19 crimes, like even before they did like the VR and like uh, augmented reality, so AR and everything, like, it's the story of like, oh, like this, like, right, Australia story, history, it's just like bringing prisoners from the, you know, the UK and just like they colonized. And, and it's just, it's just like, that's a story. And maybe like when I bring that bottle to the table, I can tell that story to my friends because maybe they didn't know about it. And like, it's just like, so it's just like much more storytelling driven. And sometimes the story is not always about just the vineyard. Like, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you not entertained? Mm -hmm. <laughs> go, Mr. Crow. From <laughs> Gladiator, you do remember, you do realize I was like two years old when that movie came out. You are not that young. <laughs> what, what else? Um, so today, what are successful, what, what's working today to to market, to sell wine? What, you know, we're, we're in a pandemic, we're kind of maybe getting out of it. Um, and um, it's shifted some things. Um, and there's, there's, there's issues around that, there are topics around that pandemic. There are things that, that maybe it just accelerated. Where are we now? You know, what are the successful wineries doing? Maybe Seb, I'll go to you on this. What, what are the, the, the winners, the, your clients who are really doing well? It, look, it's fascinating just just to to, to look at the the uh, the premise of that a bit more broadly. Uh, the pandemic definitely accelerated the adoption of technology in the world of wine, for sure. Right? We have wineries who started using our platform who told us, "Look, you know, we're selling everything through my local restaurant," and they lost one hundred percent of their sale overnight. So they had to adapt. Right um, now, we also need to consider that. Not only are now our wineries now aware that technology is required in order to sell wine, we also have a pretty significant segment of the population who was required or forced more or less to at least try buying online and are now comfortable saying, oh, yeah, click, buy, and it just shows up. Wow, right? So before the pandemic, this was very much of the newer generation, the convenience of just buying on the fly, uh, whereas now... <clears throat> You have my 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 seventy year old parents who bought groceries online, and they're like, "This is magical. You don't have to wait in line. It just shows up. This is great." So, I think the pandemic definitely changed the consumer habits from that perspective. Uh, and now the challenge that we're having is that every single wine is more or less available online in some way, shape, or form. And now, from a marketing and a sales perspective, wineries really need to try and push and go through different channels in order to reach 
consumers, right? So we used to lean on the tasting room. We used to lean on the solid door sales for people to come in and visit. Now, this has kind of been affected a little bit, uh, but it's not a, a COVID problem. We've had the tasting room problem for 20 odd years, right? Uh, mm -hmm. We're the only industry where if you don't go and visit the winery, you will not discover their wines. Yeah. Um, so now the whole idea is that in order to find new consumers, the most successful wineries have been using proper Facebook advertising and LinkedIn advertising and Google ads even in order to try and differentiate their products. Uh, and the key here is, is, is as, you, as we all know, here's a $19 Pinot, here's a $20 Pinot, the both of them have got you know, a dark glass and, and, a, and, a, and a crown cap. Which one do you want? Mm -hmm. It's next to impossible. And this is where, if I think from a marketing standpoint, uh, the 19 Grimes, and you're now seeing, look, I, was, uh, uh, I saw recently a, um, a bottle out of South Africa where you could pull, uh, like a little pull tab, on the, on the, at the top of the bottle, reading the story of the winery behind it. This is just the little things that will make consumers interested versus an equivalent product, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I also do think that the, the way that marketing is shaping up moving forward, especially as the new generations, you're now looking at, at gen, the millennials and the Gen Z, they are the bigger consumers of wine by dollar, right? Even though they buy a bit less per capita, they buy more by dollar because there's a lot of them. Uh, and these guys demand a very direct relationship. So you can no longer just lean on what we used to do, which was email marketing, right? Newsletters every quarter, right? Oh, I'm just announcing my wines. This no longer works, right? Consumers really want to be addressed by their name and they want to feel like they have a direct connection. And from a technology standpoint, this is really hard for a small two to six, 10 people business who with no marketing or technology know-how, it's really hard for them to do that at scale, right? Mm -hmm. I can send a one-on-one -on -one text message to a customer to say, thank you for your, your online sale. Fine. If I've got 10 sales, 20 sales, 50 sales, oh, that's a bit of a different <laughs> endeavor. Uh, so consumers now want to buy online. They want a relationship with the winery and the wineries now absolutely need to find ways of differentiating them themselves. The website is not enough, right? You know, website is just the, the door to start selling, but you need to start pushing into different publications, different channels uh, in order for the wine and the word of mouth and the stories to be discussed. Mm -hmm. Another long, long answer to a short question. And also to encourage like this relationship to keep going. Like I find sometimes so much like missed opportunities as well. And I know there's like some technology barrier, like I'm not, you know, um, but even like you, you're mentioning like the tasting room issue, like people go all the way to this tasting room, taste the wine, enjoy the wine, buy the wine. And then at no point with the winery collect proper information about it. It's just like, oh my goodness. Like, it's just like, this is not like, you know, it's always easier to sell again to somebody that already had a great experience, right? You have this relationship with like, yeah. and it's just like that kind of like missed uh, opportunity. So that happened from tasting room to direct sale. And that happened sometime from direct sale to direct sale. Like a person that I've purchased once, they may have loved your wine, but like if a new brand or something like a new and like winery around does like better marketing and is more 
present in like social feed or just like, you know, like uh, online than your wine that they actually love in the first place, they may just, I hate to say it, but forget about you. Like, like it's just like sometimes it's just yeah. because there's no shortage of wine out there. Like it's just like, yeah. you know, I still do a bit of like wine design, wine labels on the side. And it's just like, it's always like, oh, you have a new brand. So that means we have to kind of like elbow out another one already out there. Like the shelves are full, right? Like, like it's not like, it's not like a, so it's just like interesting to me. Um, sometimes like marketing is just like looking at it a bit more like how to connect the dots. And I think there's so much missed opportunity. Again, there's a technology issue, but sometimes it's just more like the, like putting that hat on, like having that mindset of, um, yeah. Jonathan, and again, just, online. yeah. Ah, so Jonathan, no, no. <laughs> mine, um, is, it hasn't gone for two years. Um, what, what are, uh, you know, restaurants shut down? Um, what, what about marketing to B2B? What are, what are uh, successful wineries doing now? And what do you think will really last beyond this kind of perhaps sort of temporary state um, of lockdowns and, and COVID and, and restrictions that we're in? Um, I would kind of, to answer that, I'd probably divide the wineries into those that are more focused on D2C and those that are distributing through a network. Um, I think looking at the ones that are D2C, I think that's, um, you know, Seb and Lori have talked a lot about just the developing your, your customer list and I, I and, um, and, um, on the, on the B2B side, um, I think that's where not having the major events has been, um, has also had a huge impact on, um, the old way of doing, doing things. Um, and what I think we've seen, um, is very interesting in that the, the associations have been the ones, um, that this year have, have stepped into the void that the large events have, have left and, and filled it. They're the ones who have been, um, like many of the digital initiatives of the last six or nine months um, have been pioneered by the associations. And if you had looked like two or three years ago, that might have might have surprised you because the role of the association was about organizing physical events, getting pavilions organized at the large events. Um, and then in the last uh, yeah, 12 to 18 months, um, they have really enhanced, many of them had really enhanced their role in in supporting their their members into yeah starting to accompany them on their digital journey and I think it's been that's really been interesting to see how many how many associations have been taking the risks and initiative on digital projects um, whereas um, yeah many of the events um, with exception to like the London Wine Fair um, you know the, the associations are really moving things forward on the on the B two B side. Seb, do, you do were we saying know? that the wine industry moves quite slowly. Um, if you're building a brand, starting something today, and you're thinking, okay, what, what is marketing going to be like in 10, 20 years? Where, where is everything going? Um, what, 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 what would you advise somebody? What, what would you talk? What are real trends? What are real things that will be sticky what's going to really matter um in the future look ultimately the, the, it's a it's a um, a combination of two factors uh, i believe uh, that that level of personalization 
right? It need, needs to be pushed on. Uh, Laurie mentioned collecting data, and I remember um, a Silicon Valley Bank wine report a couple of years ago who were basically saying the same thing, right? If someone <laughs> buys your wine, they obviously like it, you need to sell to, the, sell to them again, <laughs> right? Um, and collecting email addresses, connecting information, and that we're not no longer talking about tasting room, right? Collecting details online, right? So, you know, asking for or offering some sort of a, um, an incentive for collecting data for anyone who's discovered your wine is going to be important. Um, so ultimately, yeah, that level of personalization, recognizing a customer, uh, because I think increasingly as consumers discover a product, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm kind of, I can speak for myself. First reaction is, okay, let's jump online. Let's check them out. Mm-hmm. I'm discovering Absolutely. a new bottle and yeah, there's a few reviews on Vivino. Great. Yeah. There's, there's that nice little, you know, seal wax on, on the bottle. Great. <laughs> My first reaction is, okay, let's check them out. What did they do? Who are they? Right. Um, and so that will be crazy important in order to um, differentiate a product. Right, you want to have a bit of a something special in the bottle. You want to have something special in the the presentation, in the format, in the 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 branding. Something needs to sort of a come out. Uh, and then if I look it up, I need to be able to connect with that winery. Uh, and connecting is not necessarily through a website, right? Uh, so we're talking about Twitter, we're talking about LinkedIn, and LinkedIn not so much, but Facebook, uh, Instagram. Look, even some wineries are on TikTok. Right, doing some some wine making kind of videos on TikTok, and the key here is that I have, as a consumer, I have discovered a product through a great dinner at a friend of mine, through an awesome wine tasting at a restaurant, through visiting, or through an uncle who just came for dinner and brought a bottle. Right, uh, and so I've discovered a product. And on Friday night, when I just feel like some wine and, you know, my shelf is empty, like most con- uh, customers who, who don't really store wine at home, I need to just re- have a notification that Twitter, oh, the winery that I discovered two weeks ago has just posted something. Oh, yeah, I want some wine. Let's just go and buy some wine. Uh, and that's the idea, right? The technique of selling the product. So the, 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 I think the numbers is eight touch points before a customer buys a product. Um, so once they've discovered your product, they need to see your brand eight times, your name coming up eight times. So it's not necessarily a, a blunt, you know, Friday afternoon promotion, buy, buy, buy. It's any kind of a post that's happening at the winery, any sort of information about the story, any sort of pieces of, of details about the product, right? Oh, we want a medal. Okay, great. Oh, I'm having this wine with this food, even better, mm-hmm. right? Lifestyle kind of a, a stories. Uh, so consumers need to be able to connect and that's the challenge. Wineries or the wine industry is is more of a um, a traditional kind of approach, and it's our responsibility to make technology available for them to do that without having to understand how does Facebook work, how does Twitter work, how does TikTok work, how does Snapchat work, <laughs> right? It's it's too much for them. They are they are really good at making the wine. They are really good at crafting a product that's completely unique and complex. But we cannot ask them to just blindly go, oh, yeah, click, I'll click and click and just do my marketing is done today. That's not how it works. Yeah. 
And you bring on a good point, uh, uh, Seb. It's also like just how findable, and I'm not even talking like findable as in like ready to purchase your, your product is, but how findable in most likely Google. I mean, some people use Bing. I don't know who those people are, but... Um, 3%. Like sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes it's just like, okay, put yourself, you know, like in incognito mode or even better if you put like even a VPN so you pretend to be elsewhere and search your own product and see what comes up. And if your own website is not showing up, it's like, it's just like, like it's just sometimes like fascinating. And I think there's like, you know, exists this transparency, this is communication that like the newer customer, like the younger customers like want to have. And there's nothing more bigger than a red flag uh, than, you know, Googling a wine and having no return or return that are out of that field that are totally not related. Like it's just like, I don't know about this. Like it doesn't look legit. Again, I'm not saying, is it fair, not fair? Like that's the reality. Like it's just, it's like, like you know, like now I'm in a wine store and it's just like, Ask Siri, like, you know, just like, can you return me some results on that wine? Literally, like, I have my AirPods, I just say, hey, Siri, like, what about this capsule? And I read, and yeah. it pulls up results. And when, like, the first three results, that's what Siri only shows up on your phone, none of them are related to the wine. I'm like, hey, Siri, next oh, wine. Like, oh, you know, yeah. like, it's just, I can't even be bothered. And it's just, like, fascinating. Sometimes, like, I think wineries just, like, putting your been in the shoes of the consumer like this empathy that i know i keep mentioning like but it makes the marketing much more genuine as well i think if you come from that standpoint rather than like like you say shotgun like let's just bombard sell 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 buy 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 like, this is not it's not working as well so just okay yeah. it's interesting we've done um, so we we have truly is connected with a number of different channel uh, to help wineries push their product uh, and we've actually observed, we've done a couple of tests completely, completely off, off, uh, off topic, but we've done a few tests as to what kind of website traffic and e-commerce traffic increase do we get if the product is present in five new channels, right? Uh, and we're talking something like even as simple as Wine Searcher, which is an old, old I'm going to get fucking smacked. Uh, but the fact that we're capable of automatically pushing the product information into different channels, that has a direct correlation with the amount of visitors onto the winery's website. Mm -hmm. right? And that's the idea, I think, from a technology standpoint, even wine search, you, you, can't, you can't really expect a winery to log on there and upload their latest vintage on there. So, Laurie, from a marketing standpoint, I think we need to figure out how is Trolley and, and our channery going to automate that marketing yeah. onto all of the social channels mm -hmm. automatically with the greatest images <laughs> across the most channels. Yeah. And removing away some of this, like <clears throat> as you mentioned, the, the busyness, right? Like it's just like it's very easy to just be busy doing one-on-one -on -one or anything, but that just like it, like, I mean... You know, like it just doesn't work. It's not, as scalable. Well. it's not scalable. Yeah, it's not scalable. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And look, the, the, the one question, I just want to go back onto the B2B really quickly. I'm just conscious <laughs> of time. Um, and I'm curious to hear, so we're talking about consumer trends, consumers having a direct relationships with wineries, consumers discovering a product through friends and family and then trying to reach to the winery or trying to buy the product again. How do we feel about restaurant sales? and retail sales in the world where there's probably going to be a lesser amount of business travel, right? How is a restaurant, how is a retail bottle shop 
going to differentiate themselves with their offering if they don't already know a winery? Jonathan? Jonathan, Jonathan is <laughs> trying, muting, I'm unmuting, to... muting, unmuting. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand what you're, what you're asking. I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking pre-pandemic, Mm-hmm. We basically had sales rep pushing, going to restaurants, going to retail store and, and distributors, importers trying to, you know, more or less flood the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now in a position, it's now been, what, 12, 18, it's probably going to be 24 months before restaurant owners or wine importers are allowed to start traveling and start discovering new wines again. Mm-hmm. Right? And will they or how are they going to increasingly discover different products to import other than doing a the consumer search on google right how is a restaurant going to find a product that their next door neighbor doesn't have to put on their wine list well i think that's that's interesting that it might actually depend a bit on the country and what's happening in that market so i think if you are um one of these businesses in the uk you have a, a range of options because you have a lot of um, rebottling going on, a lot of master classes, tasting, seeded tastings. Um, uh, so there's there's seems to be you might not be able to travel to the wineries as easily, but the the wines are being brought to you, um, and you're not even having to leave your your house. And this was in a market that you know pre-pandemic you could go to if uh, in London you could go to a trade tasting every day of the year if you wanted to. Um, but now it's being delivered to you at, at, at home. Other markets um, aren't, you're not able to, it could be more difficult in other markets where um, uh, I don't know if the rules have changed in, in the US recently because I know that things were evolving, but um, as recently as five months ago, you were not able to do rebottled samples in the US. You could, if you're living, living in Washington, DC, you could exploit some sort of a gray loophole and do some rebottling in, in Washington, D.C., and then ship it across the U.S., but you just don't have that range of options if you're a restaurant in the U.S. to get that wine, um, to get that variety of wine delivered to you in a consumable manner. So um, I think it's it's you might have different markets recovering or adapting to, to the new or hopefully not the new new normal, but like at least the way things are going to be for for the next you know year two years, um, it could be a bit. And, more and even even beyond that, right? I think we all agree the B two B channel is not going to go away, right? There's always going to be restaurant sales for wineries for sure. Um, the question is really as as technology is moving forward, as sommeliers are coming of you know a new generation of sommeliers, these guys might not want to go to a trade a trade tasting anymore. Um, I'm curious as to how we're going to help uh, the product or, or the B2B channels discover those new products in a new sort of a technologically driven um, way in the future. Maybe that's where we're going to be for the next podcast. <laughs> but I, I think you, you make a good point there. And I think the trends were already happening before COVID um, that, you know, but for other reasons, um, primarily because of the um, the industry starting to take env- the environmental costs of travel and logistics and everything more seriously. Um, it, it, it was, you know, getting everybody, flying everybody all around the world 
um, for these for the different events that had an environmental cost to it. And I think, you know, there were um, some steps being taken to to um, to put more focus on different regional uh, tastings and um, uh, now that has happened just because you're not allowed to travel. Um, but like COVID really kind of accelerated different reason, but same result that, um, yeah. that you, we might have seen in 2019, but pre COVID that might've been peak physical event, like, and now it's just going to be more diversified. People are able to do a lot with digital events. Um, and so the physical events will still remain important, but it's, it's not the only, it's not the, um, the only avenue. It's not the only avenue. It's not the only party in town. Well, interesting. Interesting. Great, um, Laurie. Any last thoughts? Oh, I think I think Seven Jonathan kind of like sum it up like nicely. Like I'm personally, I know I'm enthusiastic by nature, but I'm I'm really excited by you know what's coming up. I think there's just more um, like possibility and creativity when it comes to marketing. Um, and yeah, I think we're just, it's not that we're just getting started, but we're getting started like bigger. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Wine Insiders. This has been the Wine Tech Podcast, episode 11. Thank you, Lori from Outshinery, Jonathan from Bottle Books, and Seb from Trolley. We will see you all in a few weeks. Nice, Thanks, you Thanks, Good seeing you. Bye.